0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant.
1: You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. And today, I'm bringing you something special. A conversation between me And my last co-host. You see, for those of you just getting to know me, I've been in the game for a minute. And for many, many years, I co-hosted podcasts with one of my closest friends, Eric Eddings. Most recently, we had a show called For Colored Nerds, which is what you're about to hear in three, two, one. So, Eric. (laughs) Yes. I have a confession to make. Okay. What is that confession? I am ready to admit Mm -hmm. to the world. That I have finally become mom curious. Wow.
2: Okay. So that for us this is a big deal. I, you know <laughs> this is a big deal. Why
1: do you say that?
2: I mean, as someone who has tried to push you toward a, a
1: oh yeah, a parenting. <laughs> Just to clarify this, for those of you all who aren't privy to our private conversations, Eric has been trying to push me toward parenthood since he became a father. Yeah i.e. when I was 26, okay? <laughs> just to
2: clarify. I think overall it was fair. But this is this is amazing. I'm excited because I know there was hesitancy for a while.
1: There was, there was. There was some hesitancy, you know, and, and I guess I should clarify what mom curious means for people who might not know. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is after years and years of, of waffling on the decision as to whether or not, you know, becoming a parent was something I really wanted to do or not, or even just whether or not I'm right for the job, I'm now secure in my desire to be a parent. Mm-hmm. and I think I've kind of figured out what kind of mom I want to be.
2: I am very curious. What type of mom do you want to be? Do you want to be just like me as I a dad?
1: Don't want to be just like you me want to as like a dad
2: make that into a mom thing?
1: No, we are going to get <laughs> we're going to talk about <laughs> the difference between moms and dads later in this episode. Right. Um, but I decided that I want to be a bad mom, ok. hi, I'm Eric, and I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. And if you haven't heard already, Brittany wants to someday be a mom. A bad mom. Not just any bad mom, though. I want to be a bad Black mom. A bad Black mom who tells her kids to do right but follows Jason Lee drama like it's her soap opera. Who likes green juices and Casamigos. Who always has her nails done but the hair, the hair is sometimes giving bonnet. I- I'm sorry, Monique. This is the representation we need. So if you haven't realized it already, this episode is all about our
2: representations and expectations of motherhood, especially Black motherhood, on screen.
1: We'll talk about what shows get it right, what shows get it wrong, and most importantly, how a show about a middle-aged actress with three kids who supports her mom and ex-husband may be the blueprint for what's to come. I know. I know scandalous find out which show after the break
3: this message comes from npr sponsor discover here's a familiar situation you have a question about your credit card you call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if only you had a discover card
1: You know, it's gonna be that time. I'm currently child free. Yes. To clarify. Mm-hmm. Um, but my fiance and I, you know, we're starting to imagine a, a future where our two becomes three. Wow. Um, Yeah, you know, we're a very solid, loving partnership. We've been together over six years now at this point. Um, You know, our our careers are coming together. And uh, also, too, I mean, to be honest, like the last year and a half of the pandemic, like I think just like the amount of pressure and everything that was going on in the world, I think made both of us realize just how much, you know, we can rely on each other when things get tough and how like great we are at working through conflict and coming to consensus and, you know, sharing with each other. And so I've been spending a lot more time thinking about, like, how I might inhabit the role of mother.
2: Yeah, I mean, fair enough. If you remember when I even thought about how I might inhabit the role of a father I I spiraled uh it was actually (laughs) the thing that got me in therapy thankfully I was Uh, gonna say
1: if I remember
2: (laughs) how could I forget uh so yeah for what's worth I I understand how big thinking about that can be like how affecting that can be
1: it's a lot it's a lot and 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 I'll be honest with you like I've been having trouble envisioning myself as a mom like Hmm. for starters like I'm not great with kids (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that's (laughs) not I don't know if that's well, true. I'll say it's not necessarily like my ministry. You know what I mean? Like I like sure. children, sure. but you know that thing that people who are good with kids have, where they just every time a baby sees them, they just actually my fiance is like that. Children <laughs> and animals constantly want to like just be held by him and jump into his lap and talk to him. Mm-hmm. I like enjoy children. I, mm-hmm. I, I like my friends' kids. I, I adore my niece. Mm-hmm. You know my baby cousins. Um, my niece that's my home girl. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't have that thing that like ineffable quality that like people who are good with kids have. The other thing is that I grew up with like a super mom. Your mom is involved. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And has always been very involved. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, my mom stayed at home with us after I was born. I'm the second of three girls. And, you know, I I had sports and activities and Mm -hmm. museum trips. And my mom taught Sunday school I don't even go to church. (laughs) And she made cupcakes for my birthday for, you know, my classrooms when I was a kid. And she was my Girl Scout troop leader. And she made my Halloween costumes by hand. And I have come—I know, I know, I know. (laughs) If I have a hole in my (laughs) pants— I'm taking it to a tailor. Like, it's yeah. t- it's like my mom had all the skills. But I, I've come to the bittersweet understanding, realization really, that that I honestly uh, will probably never do a lot of those things. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, what defines motherhood for me and what I grew up with mm-hmm. is just, like, I'm not going to be able to do, I'm not going to be that kind of mom. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I, it's, it's, it's a relief. You know, it's uh-huh. a little bit of a relief yeah. because I just couldn't live up to that. Big shoes to fill. But yeah, I mean, I think I have what it takes to be a parent, but it's like, okay, if I'm not going to be like super mom. They're like, what kind of mom am I going to be? Like, what kind of mom do I want to be? Like, I had been stumped thinking about this mm-hmm. over the past like year, two, three, until I stumbled upon a little show called Better Things. Better Things is a half-hour FX comedy about a working actress and single mother named Sam Fox. And she's played by Pamela Adlon, who also, like, writes and directs most of the episodes in the series. And Mm. and by the time you get to the third and fourth season, I think she stars in, writes and directs every episode. Um, And she's so good. Like, she's so good in the role. But it's about Sam Fox and her three daughters, Max, Frankie, and Duke, who are each played by... Really great child actresses. Mm -hmm. All really, really good. Um, Sam also, in the series, cares for her aging mother. Mm -hmm. A really interesting older British lady named Phil who lives across the street.
2: It's just a really good show. Yes. Better Things. Okay, full disclosure. Better Things was always kind of on my list Mm -hmm. of shows that everybody talks about in a way that, like, like, you can tell it's good. Yeah. And so, anyway, you gave me a list I did a
1: specific list.
2: A specific list of episodes <laughs> to watch, and I gotta say, I loved it. It was re- it's it's really it's really well done. Yeah, it's, it's really, really well, well done. done, and it felt very like to be a 50-ish, like old older white woman. Yeah, I, I found I found my, <laughs> my you know thirty five year old black self found some truth in it. So yeah, I'm very curious. I have no idea how and why like how
1: this connects, uh-huh. but yeah, I want to hear more. I'm ready. So when I started watching the show, it was like warm enough that it felt good but it wasn't it didn't feel like a total escape watch yeah. if that makes sense it wasn't trying to pacify you it just yeah. was, it, there
2: was there was there's catharsis there's catharsis <laughs> there's in the show.
1: real catharsis <laughs> in the show like i highly recommend watching it i mean it's kind of a perfect show it's it's really well done it's warm it's sweet it's sour at times mm-hmm. it's 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 hopeful also and it just feels really real and what makes the show so interesting is sam fox's character mm-hmm. like It's interesting because obviously she's well off enough to like be able to like afford two mortgages in California. She she was like a child star. Sam is a working actor. So she's like known enough that she gets recognized sometimes and that like she seems really well connected and is able to like book jobs. But she's also like in her late 40s, early 50s throughout the run of the show. So she's consistently disrespected Mm. for being too old and, and has to like audition for things she shouldn't have to audition for. Um, she has to constantly deal with like sexism, misogyny, ageism. And then also she doesn't, she's not getting those big fat paychecks yeah. that allow you to like deal with all of the isms. Like she still is definitely somebody who like she's doing well enough, but she also still has to get up every day and show up somewhere yeah. to be able to like provide the life that she does for her daughters and also by extension her ex-husband who she basically funds his life on the show. Yeah. Um. So you also understand that like she has a lot of stakes as far as her career on on the show and why she has to work so hard. But yeah, like Sam Fox as a character, even though I don't have much in common with her lifestyle wise at all, she feels like A perfect blend of the kind of mom that I could see myself being. Like, she curses, Mm -hmm. but she also cooks for her kids a lot. And she frequently says the wrong thing, but she apologizes quickly. And she also maintains an independent life as an artist, like a working artist. But she also makes her daughters the center of her life. And honey, you can be anything you want to be. Seriously. But also, if you just get a job and get by... You're still gonna love your life
0: because life is good, even at its worst.
1: You came here just to say that to me.
0: why was it
1: I thought it was gonna be good, but yeah, like I was like, oh, I could do this like she also like is momly, like she is the sort of parent who like her kids' friends are always over the house, and she's like welcoming and kind and warm, mm-hmm. but she's not. Sweet.
2: Correct. Uh, yeah. There's a barbness. Yeah. And I think the, w- one of the things I think is interesting about her barbness is it comes from a real place of vulnerability. hmm You know what I'm saying? Like she is someone who has, she has emotions. Yeah. I think, uh, at least I've experienced as a dad, there's a tension between wanting to express yourself to your kid and your kid needing to understand something, whether it be about what they've done or about life, whatever. Mm-hmm. There can be a tension between actually wanting to say the thing that you feel to them, and yes. and she says what she feels.
1: <laughs> she says what she feels for better or for but worse. Also, yeah, for better or for worse. But also, I mean, there are points in my life where there are points in my life where my mom said what she felt, and it was what needed to be said. said yeah. like it yeah. was like it was time for the kid gloves to come off or her fertile level of me and just be like, look. This is the game. (laughs) Deal. But Sam Fox is also a perfect example of what is now being called the bad mom trope.
2: Yes. So the bad mom trope, when you you initially talked to me about like wanting to do this, and actually I got really excited because I don't know that I talk about this that often, but I mainline all the, like, (laughs) I have seen bad moms one. Bad Moms Christmas, because it's not Bad Moms 2. Yes. I watch, like, Working Moms. You uh, do watch Working Moms. There's uh, Single Parents. Yep. I've, I've watched a bit of that. My point being, <laughs> the dysfunctional parent, I wouldn't necessarily... I, I'd say, like, I've always, like, been interested in. So when you came to talk about it, I realized I got really excited to talk with you about it. Because it's a thing I actually don't... Because of our friend group, you know, like, I, right. haven't, I haven't had many opportunities to talk about it. And I'm only just now... Entering in that with you know some of our friends who have had kids and you who has just today <laughs> become mom curious
1: now that your child is like six, six. and a half
2: <laughs> so anyway I'm just saying like I, I say all that to say let's get into it yeah, let's, like, yeah. the bad mom's trope like for yeah. you like how do we define
1: that okay so I recently watched a great video from this YouTube channel called The Take and the video was called the bad mom trope explained. And now I'm going to kind of like break down for you the way they broke down the bad mom trope in the video. Let's do it. The bad mom, basically, it's like she's a straight shooter. She's not afraid to put herself or her work before her kids sometimes Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes it's women who are really zany and out there like lucille bluth from arrested development (laughs) um (laughs) um, but they're basically like moms that are depicted as closer to like (laughs) three-dimensional human beings yeah um they're very imperfect sometimes extremely flawed but they really like lead with love and i think that they exist specifically as an answer to sort of like the stay-at-home mother that we saw depicted on television throughout yeah. the fifties, sixties, seventies, and even into the eighties and and, and, and 90s into today. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so like examples of some some characters of what that looks like: Selena Meyer from Veep, mm-hmm. um, obviously Sam Fox from Better Things, Kate Foster from Working Moms, yes. oh, which Lord. is Eric. Scho- <laughs> <laughs> um, the moms from the hit film franchise, Bad Moms. Yeah. And if you really want to take it back, like Roseanne Arnold from mm-hmm. Roseanne and my queen, my girl, the fashion icon, the style queen, Peggy Bundy from mm. Married with Children. I mean, she like couldn't cook. <laughs> she didn't clean. <laughs>
2: but always wore
1: heels and like leopard print leggings. Yeah. Loved, she, was like, fresh. yeah she was fresh. Yeah. She kind of like put herself together as like a tackier version of like what a 50s housewife would be. To quote the video, you know, they describe the bad mom as a complex, realistic depiction of a mom that reminds us that she's a human being. Um, You know, we see from the mom's point of view. Yes, that's important um, too. Everything that she's forced to deal with day in and day out. And also, the bad mom is a mom that decides not to let motherhood totally define her. She defends her right Mm -hmm. to be a human being, which runs antithetical to I think most people's ideas of what motherhood is. I mean, even still, if you look at statistics, you know, more women are working outside the home than they were in like the 50s or in the 70s. But women are doing more childcare and more housework than they were doing back in those days while still working full time. Which I mean goes to show a few things. It indicates that like men are not necessarily stepping up, um, you that's know, to say true <laughs> dad, and, and heterosexual couples aren't showing up. And there's actually studies that there's not enough research that's been done on same-sex couples, but early research indicates that. <laughs> Things are more egalitarian in same-sex homes because tasks are divided among who has the capacity, who has the time, who has the skill and the energy versus along gender lines and assumptions about those things. Just something that's interesting about that, too, is like it it makes
2: sense as to also why, you know, during the pandemic, we heard reports of a lot of a lot of relationships ending. And Mm -hmm. uh, And women dropping out of the workforce. And women dropping out of the workforce. And so, you know, you have I think you see both ends of that spectrum. You see, you know, people trying to choose. Yeah. Trying to choose between that career or that family.
1: It's unfortunate because that feels like you can have your career or you can have your family and you are nowhere in the equation. (laughs) Um, And and to be honest, like that is one of the things that I'm the most fearful of um, Mm -hmm. in regards to having a child is like the complete loss of my identity, not necessarily specifically as a parent or because I have to, you know, care for this other person but more so like there's something that happens with moms that doesn't really happen with dads, where it's like, I think all parents experience some sort of like loss of identity is a Mm -hmm. huge change. You have to become selfless in a way that you haven't had to before. But even statistically, the expectations and judgment that mothers receive or even feel they receive is sometimes double what fathers express.
2: I can absolutely see that. I mean, I think the... There's a space that comes along with, you know, the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I mean by that space is like there's an expectation of distance between dads and men in the family. Mm. Like, you know, it is not crazy. You know, if you're looking at a kind of older, coarser, like gender alliance to have the dad consistently be out working. Mm -hmm. And like he's the person who doesn't make it home for bedtime. He's the person who doesn't do this thing. Yeah. And that's a thought of as a requirement. Because of his need to be out, you know, making money, making money. But it's interesting that none of that actually (laughs) applies (laughs) (laughs) to the other partner in that relationship, the mom, you know, who also might want to make money, uh, who also might need to make money. Yes. uh, But then also still there isn't that distance between how do you figure out what happens, you know, with the child in that relationship. So anyway, I, I just say, like, it's something I think that, like, I realized not necessarily was afforded to me in my life. I think I've tried to exist outside that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But people talk to me about it. People are like, oh, well, you know, people will say, like, oh, that's a thing, you know, can your wife do that? Or, like, can somebody... Really? Like, yeah, I've heard stuff like that. All this. I've heard the, people say the wildest... Like what? Like, just like, you know, I mean, you know, like, I got, I got divorced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the divorce you know, we were trying to figure out custody. And for what it's worth, it was a, you know, pretty amicable situation. It wasn't like, as far as divorces go, you know, we were in a room all the time together. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But during that, people were kind of coming to me and they were like, you're just going to do weekends? And I was just like, no. I was like, what? No, it's my child. I love her. I want to take care of her as much as I possibly can. And anyway, I just say like, they were like, oh, well, you know, I thought you might want to work. That, that's wow. more hurt. I, I have people who, you know, were close to us would say, wow. say things like that. And so I'm just like, I just have to be like, no, I want to do this thing. But I, I say that less about me and more so what that means about what the perception is that I think moms and women can take,
1: yeah, and I think that
2: has been that has been wild. And I will also say, just you know, as a person who has tried to act differently in terms of the the stereotypes and the kind of the tropes that exist around parenting and and being a dad, you know, like I'm in a yeah. situation where, it's, like, I am lucky enough that you know my wife and I and my co-parent we work together as like three people to take care of one kid, and we. <laughs>
1: It's yeah, real. it Yeah. Yeah. So I
2: can't imagine, you know what I'm it's, saying? Like I just say that to, I'll come back to, I can't imagine how difficult it is to feel like you have that
1: binary choice. Yeah. Uh,
2: and then to have society in all ways. Yes. Enforce it.
1: Yes. Because the other thing that that's causing working women to also be doing more housework and more childcare is like some of that is expectation. Like yeah. they're feeling this judgment and they're feeling these expectations. Um, just a quick aside about dads actually. Um, <laughs> The bar for dads in pop culture is <laughs> low. Yeah. Just like, I hate to say, it, the bar for fathers in real life is frighteningly yeah. low. Yeah. Um, so I was looking to see if, like, the same outlet that mm-hmm. I had enjoyed, you know, the Bad Mom video had something about dads that could be comparable that I could sort of, like, play off of. Um. The Take doesn't have a video about the bumbling dad trope. The only, as far as I could see, video about a dad is a tribute video to Jack Pearson, the late patriarch <laughs> of the Pearson family on This Is Us, played by Milo Ventimiglia, It's a tribute video about how great of a father he is for being affectionate and kind and putting his family first, despite his alcoholism and abusive upbringing. Um, So those qualities are pitched to the viewer as unusual, even though those qualities are routinely expected as below the baseline from others.
2: Yeah, and just in theory, as a parent, like in theory, when you read about what the parent should do, that is what a parent should be aff- affording their child, so it's just interesting that like once it goes from parent to mom and dad
1: <laughs> yeah. how it,
2: like it misses
1: it, it misses <laughs> it just misses it um and so I mean you know it is it's no surprise then that these bad mom characters would feel like a balm to a lot of women and mothers in pop culture, but they are overwhelmingly white. I was about to. Say, I wanted to come back and be like, okay, so you
2: mentioned you mentioned like Jim Rose, uh-huh. all of these folks, and, and I watched the movies. I watch Bad Mobs. I watch Bad Mobs in Paradise. You watch <laughs>
1: Bad Mobs. Bad Mobs Island. <laughs> <Mom's. laughs>
2: you no, know, I watch all this stuff, and and I could probably count the number of black people who spoke mm. Mm. on uh, mm. on maybe one hand, it, it barely into two.
1: Yeah. The lack of bad black moms, it is astounding and it means something. And even like, you know, like you said, in the bad moms franchise, the three main moms are white. And Mm -hmm. most of the women that you see speaking in the movie are white. And then even on a show like Working Moms, you know what I'm saying? Or even like Single Parents has some diversity, but the action does not is is centrally around a single white mom. Mm -hmm. Um, You see that time and time again throughout pop culture. And there's a reason for that. Uh, but I want to save that until we come back from the break. So after the break, we are going to dig into, well, actually, we're going to, like, look under, you know, Rock, Creek, <laughs> Nook, Left and Cranny rock. to find the bad black bombs and also unpack a little bit of why they're so hard to find hmm. to begin with. So we are going to get into that. I'm, I'm
2: ready for that. After
1: the break.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, local amenities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good, it's brilliant. With exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So, in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant.
1: before the break we were talking about how the bad moms trope it's actually kind of a good thing yeah Um, and it seems like something that like a lot of moms are responding to in pop culture and embracing in a really positive way and that feels real to them but we also remarked on the fact that, like, bad Black moms are disturbingly hard to find. Yeah. That is because Black women tend to portray literally perfect mother figures on television. I will say, like, there are a couple Black mom characters who kind of did stray from the beaten path, like in Motherhood, um, Rochelle from Everybody Hates Chris, Lisa Landry Mm -hmm. from Sister Sister, Maya Wilkes from Girlfriends, Mm -hmm. but Motherhood either wasn't the focus of those shows or the focus of the show or the point of view of the show is expressed from the children, like with Sister, Sister or Everybody Hates Chris. It kind of leaves the moms to occupy like a very specific kid-friendly or like sex-in-the-city friendly, you know, the girlfriend's friendly space and doesn't really like allow them to have both sides of their personality plus their own rich inner life. Um, So, yeah, you know, like there are some moms that have broken away from that. But by and large, the black supermom is like the thing to beat. I mean, and part of the reason why that persists and exists to begin with is because black mothers are penalized socially and in the carceral sense for showing up as anything less than perfect. Yeah, I think I mean, I think it's
2: they're penalized, but I also think there's a reasonable amount of pressure and expectation. You can't deny that. Like, both are very important. Yeah. Because the literal effects, like you said, you know, like, if you're late, you know, dropping your kid off to school mm-hmm. so much, in certain, you know, school districts, if you're black, they're trying to bring you up on truancy issues. I mean, you know, yeah. Like,
1: I mean, yeah.
2: I think those consequences are real and extreme for many black women. And I also think that the expectation is is really deep as well. Like, you know, something I've, I feel like I've heard my mom talk about anecdotally. never Never, like, Super crystallized. Mm -hmm. But just like, you know, when you're on that soccer team and for what it's worth, like in better things and it is your week to bring snack. You don't want to you don't have the bad snack. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to be the parent. Usually I'm one of the like two or three black kids on the team. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want to seem deficient. And there's a pressure to even sometimes project that like there's a sameness Mm. in how things come together to get to the snack. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And even though as ridiculous as that is and I just I've seen my mom try to do everything yeah. and be a single parent and you know what I'm saying and like not be super well off. <laughs> you know, like stringing it together sometimes. And I just as I am now an adult and a parent, I now can reflect back and be like that's wild.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean like I don't have any kids, but like, I and I understand so much more now as an adult. I know what it felt like to have my mom snatch the life out of me because I started cutting up in public. Mm-hmm. And some of that, you know, I think because of a lot of conversations that people have about police violence and having to talk with your children. Now, there's this idea that, like, the only reason why your parent wouldn't want you to cut up in public is because you could get in trouble with an authority. That's not it. That ain't always it. <laughs> It's because your mom does not want to know you if you start cutting up in public, not just because she's embarrassed, but because that's going to reflect poorly upon her. And you don't know who's out there, who's looking, who's going to see. Because, I mean, we're talking a lot about like white people or, you know, your kids, teachers or their schoolmates, parents. But also, I mean, other black people (laughs) will dress you down for not being the type of mother that they think that you need to be. And actually, I mean, that brings us to the Black Supermom of today, Beth Pearson from This Is Us. Beth Pearson is a lovely character. This Is Us, the, this huge hit of a show. It comes on NBC every Tuesday night, and it centers on the Pearson family, and, and it kind of like plays with time. They jump back through the generations, and they go off in all sorts of interesting storytelling directions. But one of the central characters in the show is Beth Pearson, played by Susan Kelechi Watson, who is Howard Grad. Yeah, um, shout out. Yeah, shout out. And she, she brings so much warmth and, and vibrance to the character in a really beautiful way. Um, but she is the mother I would love to aspire to be, but I just could never. Let's just start and stop with the fact that she and her three daughters mm-hmm. all have new hairstyles every three to five days. <laughs> First of all, that's assuming that my hair as well as my child's are going to be done. Most of the time. I'm just, I'm going to be honest, I don't see it for myself. Yeah. I've been trying to get my fiance to practice on my head. <laughs> but there's the thing. Like, Beth, in addition to having the girl's hair hooked up, Beth Mm -hmm. be dealing with whatever Randall want to do. Randall is her husband, played by Sterling K. Brown. Randall be quitting his job without asking. Randall be bringing his uh, long-lost birth father in without asking. Randall want to be taking 20-hour car trips during COVID. Did he run for office? Uh, Randall (laughs) ran for office. I think he won, and then he ended up becoming, like, a city council member for a city that they do not live in. Oh, he wow. bought an apartment building without asking. But Beth just be rolling with everything. We don't find out until the fourth season or fifth season that Beth had dreams of becoming a ballet dancer that oh. were dashed, basically. And so she switched to something else altogether. She ends up losing her job, and finally later she's allowed to open her dance school. Mm-hmm. But that was something they brought in after seasons and seasons. Yeah, aren't they of, going
2: into the final season? Yeah, now? I
1: mean, like they got critique. I think for a long time that was like Beth's great, but like. She's not real. This is not real. This is not sustainable. Yeah. And somebody would snap. Eventually she does kind of push back. But again, it it took seasons and yeah. seasons and seasons for and that to back. happen to get pushback. She is so absolutely selfless, she's just not realistic. Interestingly enough, do you know who plays Beth Pearson's oh, right. mother? Of course. It has to be. Felicia Rashad, <laughs> who also who plays everybody's black Bob everybody's in black mom. How to get away with murder. Yes, like obviously. Yes, yes. Yes. But she also played Claire Huxtable. Yes. Um I mean, you can't really talk about Beth Pearson, actually, as a character without talking about Claire mm-hmm. Huxtable because they occupy so much of the same space. You also can't talk about Claire without talking about Felicia Rashad. Yeah, People have had to do work to divorce their ideas about Claire Huxtable from their ideas about Felicia Rashad. And that, to me, stands as proof that, like, These this ideals. image of a Black mother does matter to some degree. It's not nothing. So, I mean, you know, it's like you said, like the perfect black mom thing, it doesn't work <laughs> in real life. And then also it's like representative of a thing that people think that they want, but they don't actually want in practice in real life. That leaves like a window open. Like, okay, like bad black moms. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? We could do this. We could do this. Like, it's our time to shine. I, I don't have any children yet. I'm like, I'm in the group. Okay. I'm putting myself in the group. Um, and so, you know, you might be wondering like, where are, where are all of the bad black moms?
2: Just in media? I mean, yeah, in media, in media. I mean, you know, you mentioned from Everybody Hates Chris, like yeah. that type of deal. But it's interesting, like, in that, case, and Everybody Hates Chris, like, all these are, uh, for lack of a better word, in
1: antiquity. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's not really that space that's being occupied right now. I think what—I'm I, I, curious to see what happens as people are to get older, um, like, as millennials age, because, like, I think what happened for a lot of black women— like with Insecure. I think a lot of people are going to be looking for that, like about motherhood or parenthood. Um, But there are a couple bad black moms on Better Things. Like there's an episode in season three, it's called No Limit, where Sam Fox has dinner with a bunch of her like grown women friends. And there are a few moms in the mix, specifically two moms, one Lala, played by Judy Reyes, who a lot of people know from Scrubs, and Lenny, played by Cree Summer, who people know from, like, literally everything from yeah. a Specter Gadget to, like, <laughs> Rugrats. <laughs> to like, Rugrats to, a obviously, different a different world. And so Lenny and Lala are two characters who each share just, like, a few lines, what well, comes to a few lines of dialogue with Sam that feels so real and so human and so full. With just a few lines of dialogue, I feel like I really get a window into who each of these women are. You got to see them enjoy their friends, but also when they talked about their kids and they talked about their family life, you could see that it was meaningful to them. Yeah. So I wanna show you how Lenny and Lala occupy space on the show. And so I'm gonna play a clip for you right now of Lenny joining Sam and Lala at a restaurant for girls' night.
3: I'm late. I can't it's believe I even made
4: it. No, I'm <laughs> glad you
1: made it too. I can't believe we're here. How's Ramsey. Oh, he's okay. But his dad is dying. Oh. Yes. Oh.
2: Show as usual. I'm taking care of the boys alone and his mama. Oh. Meanwhile, I'm supposed to get back to Thailand to finish the film.
1: Where in the hell is everybody else? Bathroom. Yeah. I want to show you kind of like how Lala shares some of the struggles that she's dealing with, like as a wife and mom and, and caretaker. Uh, so I'm going to play you a real quick clip. Mm. I like one of mine too. I'm not naming names. Oh, why
4: did we put ourselves through all this? It's insane. Nobody told me it was going to be this
2: hard. I, I
1: suffered know. through four years of IVF for this.
2: Could have spent the money on a house, big house. Yeah. But it's just so rewarding. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, right. Not when Tiana's screaming now at me. That was a really short interaction, but I got such a clear idea of who this woman is as a mother, as a friend, and as a wife. I got a real sense for how she moves through the world and what some of her biggest concerns are. And that happened like that. Hearing from
2: them felt significant. The construction of the episode has, like, a scene that I feel like actually is a kind of a staple of most Bad Moms content. Yeah. Which is the basically, like, sometimes we all get drunk. Yeah. like And so, like, you know, that that is not new. It has a, you know, it's a crystallized part of the Bad Moms movie. You yeah. see it, it pops up in Working Moms. They always kind of hang out and, you know, they're drinking and doing things like that.
1: It didn't have sort of, like, the pithiness that Working Moms has mm-hmm. where it's just sort of like, eh, hey, my man. Yeah. yeah. Almost, there's
2: like a, So let's talk about Working Moms real quick. Uh So Working Moms is a show that was developed by, it's written, I think she sometimes directs as well, Mm -hmm. uh, and stars in, her name is Catherine Reitman. And it's set in Toronto, uh, and it kind of chronicles the lives of these, like somewhat of a rotating cast of women uh, who met in a Mommy and Me group. uh, And their experiences. And it it falls right into that kind of bad moms stuff, hardcore. And they're always kind of getting drunk, The show definitely is looking to provoke a lot more. Mm -hmm. It's looking to provoke within a genre that is kind of almost all about provocation. This genre is all about pushing back on, like, the things that make people feel comfortable about what a mom is supposed to do. Uh And so, like, this show takes that to the extreme. But it's interesting how even in that, there's still no space
1: for us. No, no. I mean, I-, I watched the most recent season and there were a few moments that feature a black mom mm-hmm. that, like, kind of seemed like she got their humor and, like, yeah. could hang or whatever, but they always made they made a lot of those interactions either so insignificant as to just kind of pass by or removed. or they were, yeah, or removed or they just were about race. And yeah. it's just like, that's how you can relate to this characters is, is it, it, you're showing me the barrier that you believe is between you and this other mom. And not only that, like you're showing me that you don't see the other mom as somebody who could understand your experiences. You're not seeing them as your equal. Exactly. And I think so, a lot of that in a lot of these shows, I think, are related
2: to class. It's not. It's not crazy to say white women of a certain, you know, class and, and socioeconomic status often exist within spaces where there just aren't that many, like black people. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, sometimes by choice. <laughs> and so, you, you know, I think that's a piece of it. But like, it's also just. It's just interesting. So anyway, to come back to uh, better things and to see one black woman participate. <laughs> Just participate yes, and communicate. Yes, it, it it felt so much more honest to like even just. You know, what? I, hell, even my mom takes a sip of beer every now and again. She is yeah, loose and as hell mom. off that sip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I'm like, I know that, like, I mean, there are periods where, like, I know my mom, like, went with my aunt to go see Winona Judd, I think in Vegas or Arizona or something like that. I know my mom went to go see Cher during yeah. the Believe tour. Like, How many casino trips to to... have happened but with a okay, mom? You okay, know? How <laughs> many casino trips? Okay. I know there's going to be some bad mom shenanigans going on in the casino trips. But, yeah, I mean... I also, like, remember being, like, when I was a teenager, starting to, A, understand my mother more as a person outside of me who was just there to provide me with my life and everything like that. Um, But also, as my sisters and I—my younger sister and I specifically—became more independent, my mom was allowed to kind of, like, go off and figure out how she wanted to spend her time and how she wanted to have fun and what she was interested in, again, because— you know, you put a lot of that stuff on hold, and and things like she that. She had space. She had space, um, and now it's like really nice in my in this part of my mom's life to see her enjoying herself so much, like with her friends and like taking trips and doing all this stuff. You know, like going out to dinner and having drinks with her girlfriends. Like I love seeing her do those things. Not that she did not do them when I was growing up, but it's like. To really now be exposed to more of that part of her life is really nice. Well, I think
2: I think we didn't see it partially because we, we weren't were, supposed to. We weren't supposed to because <laughs> we were kids. But also, I think there's probably a protection of that space. Yeah. Because yeah. of, you know, like what I have seen so many groups of like black women or even just black people, but yeah. mostly black women. You know, they go out for a night. They're trying to have fun. Ooh. You run into like. You run into, you know what I'm saying? Like, just like, there's so much constriction on, like, being a Black woman in society. Like, I can't imagine once you get to being a mom, like, you're tired, you've been working. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Kids are hard, (laughs) you know? And you just want to go out and have fun. Yeah. And it's interesting how much we don't get to see that as that type of recreation and that type of release for Black women and for Black moms in this context.
1: we really, really don't. There's a lot of, like sitting with a single glass of wine thinking about the romance that could have been crying over bills you know what i mean yeah. or like like if you see like you you can see sometimes the acknowledgement of the hardships and like show sort of like what the mom is faced with but the enjoyment Um, that's what I liked about the better things seen is like you got to see two black women who are different from each other who had their own individual stories and like I will say they do pop up later again in that like throughout that series the thing is though is I love them on that show yeah I want women like that to have their own show absolutely and that's the thing like that's the that's the black moms that I want to see on TV who are like maybe they're gonna get divorced maybe they won't maybe they hate their husband today maybe they don't maybe they also have to take care of you know sick parents and like maybe they are gonna go out with their girlfriends. Yeah. I don't think I plan on doing that, but like I want to see a mom who's going to do that. Sure, you want the option. <laughs> yeah, I want the option. I want to feel like it's available to me. Um, but yeah, like I want to see those things presented without shame, and to have the black mother be the center of the narrative. Like I said, representation is not everything, but like I don't think it's wild to want to be seen somewhere. No, I don't. I don't think it's wild
2: at all. I mean, for what, I think I think that there's an interesting thing about that as well, that I think we might start seeing sooner. Uh, I think we're going to get that show you're looking for Mm -hmm. very soon. I think about, like, if you look at folks like Israe, who, who came up, and I think, you know, filled at least a space around almost like Girl Child, like, but yeah. just kind of figuring yeah, woman it, woman child, woman yeah, yeah. child, figuring it all out, out kind of trope. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she really has done a great job for kind of presenting Black women within that. Yes, and that's something that's very different. I think she deserves laurels for that. But I also think you can't ignore that uh, that period is ending for at least that particular show. I agree. And I would not be surprised if the people who were seeking out that content, you know, who are also very interested in Tiffany's
1: storyline. Yes, and also people who have kids probably already.
2: Exactly. Who are now ready and at the point in their lives where they might be ready for that show and I think there's a lot more creators who are hitting around that age who
1: hopefully hint 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 nudge 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 you know what I'm saying because there's an audience to watch it there's definitely an audience to watch it and I'm excited to see how things turn out I mean like I don't know I was thinking I thought really hard about like a black bomb that kind of felt new to me and felt really full in her depiction and actually um, this is from a film it's drama film but uh, Turquoise Jones played by Nicole Bihari in Miss Juneteenth recently um, felt like something closer to a story that centered on a mother who both loves being a parent and also has like serious reflection and lamentation about what her role requires of her, what she's had to give up in order to assume that role. But also somebody who, like, has not fully given up on herself. Um, I will say, like, that's a a story that, like, takes place in the more rural South. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, is about a family that is not, I don't even think middle class necessarily maybe lower middle class or working class um but is of a different class than the types of moms that we typically see on t v uh, featuring women of any race yeah um and that was also nice to see sort of like characters that felt knowable, but like we're outside of the same milieu where we see so many women occupying yeah. right now um so i'm like I'm hoping to see more films like that, more TV shows like that. Like, to your point, I really do want to see sort of like the comedic take on the Bad Black moms. I think there's so many people out there who'd be so great at that. Like, I mean, Regina Hall is right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) Regina Hall is right there. Like, she is literally, she is right there. And I think that like, um, I don't know if you ever saw this show. It was one of the first shows on WB. It's called Cleghorn. Sorry, Ellen Cleghorn. Ellen Cleghorn was um, actually the second Black woman to be a cast member on Saturday Night Live. And funnily enough, the person who played her father was Garrett Morris, the first Black man Mm. to be a cast member on Saturday Night Live. It was canceled within the first season. Wow! Basically, it starred Ellen Cleghorn as a woman who was I think she ran a production studio or something in Soho. She lived on the Upper West Side, and she lived with her parents and her young daughter. And I liked watching the show. It was definitely like a family sitcom. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't really find it online at all. Otherwise, I would have focused on it and showed you a clip. (laughs) But even as I was thinking about this episode, I, I mean, I wondered, was a show like *Cleghorn* too Before it's time. I mean, I hate hate the idea of before it's time, but like, were people just so far behind at that point? Part of the reason why the show wasn't successful is because they couldn't conceive of a show with a black mother who was single and working and vibrant and had a creative career, you know? And
2: not completely unhappy.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) And not completely unhappy and like enjoying her multi-generational family. I don't know, like, I, I. but I would love to see somebody reinterpret like a similar... I just think there's a lot of terrain there. Like a woman who's a working class artist. Do you know what I mean? Who like lives with her parents and has a child like who like has a vibrant social life but also like has parenting duties and like doesn't have a ton of money but finds ways to get her work done. Like, I don't know. It sounds like you want to
2: see... Real people.
1: I would love to see <laughs> real people. I would love to see That's, real people. Feels like the running thread. So yeah. So I mean, you know, uh, I hope to see something like what we're looking for in the near future. I think that there's a lot of people who would really be into watching something like that. And you know, when it finally happens, like I'm super excited to talk about. I mean, I, I you know, like I think about Ali Wong even too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would love to see. Like someone with that type of humor occupy that space as a black woman and and give us our give us our little moment to shine. So bad black moms, wherever you are, we see you. We love you. We hope to know you. That was me and Eric Eddings on our show for Colored Nerds. You can listen to our back catalog wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Now it's time for a game. And I've brought in a special guest. Alexis Williams, who produced that episode of For Colored Nerds, but has just this week joined the It's Been a Minute team. Alexis! Hey! Hey, welcome! Thank you, thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Okay, so to introduce you to the audience, we're going to see how good of a liar you are. Oh. And we'll play a game now that we like to call, sounds fake, but okay. (laughs) So in this game, you, my guest... Tells me a story, and I have to guess if it's fake or real. So, Alexis, lay it on me. Tell me your story.
4: You know, my grandmother's retired, Mm -hmm. um, and one day she was watching daytime television, which for her is TMZ, and she (laughs) saw a, you know, a sort of uh, kind of polarizing, a little bit of controversial, but always gets the people-talking figure on TMZ Mm-hmm. Um, she saw a person who we all know as a former dancer, now well-known reality star, Black China, and she was like, "Oh, this person looks very familiar." And she calls me up for some reason. It's like, "Do you know who this Black China person is?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know who she is. You know, I'm I'm with the girls. I know the things." <laughs> and she's like, "You know, Alexis, I remember where I know this girl from. What? I used to babysit her because my family's from DC, and you know." Black China, yeah. her family's all from D.C. She's like, I used to babysit her.
1: Your grandma used
4: to babysit Black China.
1: hmm For Tokyo Tony, Black China's mom. Yes. Is your is your grandma going to be on Zeus TV? <laughs> she She's gonna, a special guest. <laughs> is she going to appear on Zeus Network. <laughs> so I have to decide now that you told me the story. I have to decide whether it it's real or fake. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think this story. Is true. I think that Black China and your grandmother are the right age, and DC is the right place for this story to be true.
4: It is actually not true. What? Yes. And the funny part is that I had it wrong. I
1: was telling people wrong. Wait. So what's? Wait. 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 Wait.
4: The real story is a little bit more complex. You know, it has a little bit more texture. It's a little bit more generational. What's the real story? (laughs) So my grandmother was actually friends with Black China's grandparents, and my mother grew up with Tokyo Tony black china's mother what so they're childhood friends and my mother was like yeah i remember just like hearing about her and things like that and then my uncle called her and was like hey you know black china is tony's uh daughter because my uncle took tokyo tony to prom
1: what so they're (laughs) (laughs) wait okay so that puts you at hold on
4: uh-oh, 6 degrees of separation. Yeah, <laughs> 6
1: degrees of separation. So, you're only like 3 degrees, 2 or 3 degrees separated from China and thus 2 3 de- like 3 4 degrees separated from the Kardashians.
4: Oh gosh, I didn't even think
1: about that. <laughs> That's the first thing that crossed my mind. Okay, Alexis, I don't think you're doing enough with this proximity to fame. <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> this is cool, but I'm like you could be Calabasas if you played your cards right. I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs>
4: But yeah, it's just a really funny story. I mean, they they have not spoken to uh, Miss China or Miss Tony since like very, 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 very young. So like, I think my mom they sort of like you know went their separate ways around mm-hmm. thirteen years old. But my mom was like, yeah, we were really close. We used to go wow. to their house all the time.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Wait, so that makes basically you and Black China god sisters by black people. You know what? Honestly, logic. yeah, <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though? Maybe, maybe this story airing nationally on the radio is gonna be the thing that brings y'all back together. It'll be just like I don't that. know. <laughs> I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Honestly, I'm feeling it. I want this for you. Wow, Alexis. I, you know, I, I have to say this is this is now our third time working together. You being on the it's been a minute team. Are you sick of me yet? <laughs> I'm, sick of you. I'm like, you might be sick of me soon. <laughs> but no, it's a pleasure to work with you again, to have you on this team, that I, a team I already love so much. Thank you, Alexis. Of course, of course. And I'm so excited to share this, but I'm actually welcoming two new people onto the team. One of whom comes to me from For Colored Nerds, producer Alexis Williams, who you just heard, and the other, Corey Antonio Rose, our new assistant producer. For Colored Nerds was created by Eric Eddings and me, Brittany Luce. We got social production help from Elise Ellis. This episode was engineered by Marcus Hom. The theme music was by Willie Green and Lookout. This episode of It's has a Minute was produced by Barton Girdwood, Alexis Williams, Liam McBain,
3: Corey Antonio Rose.
1: It was produced and edited by Jessica Mendoza. Our editor is
0: Jessica Placzek.
1: Our executive producer is Marilyn Williams. Our VP of Programming is Yolanda Sanguini. Our Senior VP of Programming is Anya Grundman. And I'm your host, Brittany Luce. Thank you so much for listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Talk soon.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Get the service you deserve. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Satva. Satva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional
2: $200. On Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, we have very important people on our show and then ask them about very unimportant things. Here's U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, we are also reliably informed. That among your enthusiasms, in addition to a macroeconomic policy, is mobile games.
0: Uh, there is some truth in that.
2: There's some truth in that. Join us for the NPR podcast that considers all the other things. That's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.